Welcome to the sweetest little life where we are connecting the mind, body, and soul for women in business. This podcast is all about releasing the light in you and becoming the divine inner goddess that you were destined to be. I'm Courtney Hansen, and I'm your host, author, influencer, and coach. And I am so excited to hang with you for the next 30 minutes. So sit back, relax, and let's dive in. I am so excited for today's episode. We get to chat with the beautiful Kayla. She is a yoga instructor, runs a nonprofit, runs yoga retreats, has traveled the world, and is one hell of an inspiration. So without further ado, let's welcome Kayla to the show. Hello. I'm so glad you're on the show today, Kayla. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yes. So, so excited to chat with you. So can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? And I got to say, I was scrolling Facebook and an ad of you came up and I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this woman is amazing and I need to meet her. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. And um, yeah, so I am a yoga teacher. That's what most people kind of know me for, especially in the whole internet world. I've been teaching yoga for about seven years and practicing for a little over 20. My mom is also a teacher, so I started practicing at a really young age and did my first teacher training about seven years ago. It was about the same time that Instagram for me was kind of starting to take off. And so I was able to do it in a way that I started a retreat business at the same time and really cultivated a global yoga community instead of just like a smaller yoga community that typically happens when you're working in a local studio or something like that. I was already a world traveler and wanted to kind of bring the two together, which is how Mm -hmm. I started my retreat business. And the retreats that I have fund the nonprofit that I started also in that same period. So it's all kind of tied together that way. I love that. So this has been something that you've done forever, basically. I've been doing it for a while. Yeah, I've been, I mean, I've been traveling for a long time, living out of a backpack pretty much for the last 10 years (laughs) on and off. So just coming back to the States this year, right before COVID hit and everything like that, and it's kind of changed the pace of my life a little bit, but it's, it's been a good change. Yeah, I know. I think it's kind of forced everyone to really be so still but in a beautiful way, too. Yeah, definitely. So I would love to hear about what inspired your journey. Like, were you always someone who just wanted to see the world and really experience that? Like, where did you shift into being like, I want to help other people to get to this level and to learn how to tap into their bodies and really connect? Yeah, so I mean, I've like I said, I started practicing when I was really young. My mom was a teacher, a yoga teacher, when I was growing up. So I think the first class I did of hers, I was about 12 years old. And I would go to her classes from time to time. I didn't really take it super seriously. It was more of just like something fun to do with my mom. And I was always very athletic growing up. So doing something a little slower and a little bit more intentional like yoga, I felt like kind of helped to work out the kinks of more hardcore athletics that I was doing at a younger age. 
And that was something that I continued doing into adulthood as well, just kind of on and off, but it was still very much a physical practice for me. It wasn't as well-rounded in the mental, emotional, spiritual, like all of that kind of it wasn't really part of my practice, I would say for the first like 10 years probably. And um, that just started to shift the older that I got and the more my relationship with myself began to deepen as well as with the practice. I think the longer that you do it, then the more it kind of gets its hooks in you and you start feeling these adult, these other shifts happening, even if you're not totally aware of it, but it's like you can still feel something is going on. And I started traveling really heavily and by myself and going to like a little bit more kind of far out places than maybe your your typical first solo traveler would go when I was 21, right after I graduated from university. And, and when I was traveling, I would really lean into my practice because that was something that I could carry with me wherever I went because I just needed my body. I mean, even back in those times, I didn't even have a mat. I don't think most of the time I would just practice on a towel or on the ground or on the sand or something like that. And we weren't as connected as we are today. So I didn't have access to online classes, let alone Wi-Fi. I mean, Wi-Fi wasn't around back then in those places. So it was just a way for me to really return home to myself and kind of find that sense of groundedness in myself no matter where I was. And the more that I continue to do it, then the more that I wanted to learn more and then also be able to share that with other people. That is so powerful. I just did a podcast yesterday on grounding, actually. Okay. I was just thinking in my head when you were saying you didn't have a yoga mat, I'm like, oh my gosh, you were like forced to like <laughs> really get literally grounded. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and my amazing way though. So Tell me about your retreats that you do. I am so interested in how, what sparks this that you're like, there is a need for this. I am going to provide it. So I, I actually started my nonprofit first. So my, my nonprofit I started before I was a yoga teacher, um, before the retreats, anything like that. And I had sort of like revamped the nonprofit into a more singular focus of solar projects. And I was getting ready to fund my first solar project in Ethiopia. And I needed to raise quite a bit of money. And I just finished my yoga teacher training. And so I just thought, well, I'll just start teaching classes in the park because that's at least I could start somewhere. I need to raise $40,000. So I'm going to start teaching yoga classes in the park. And, um, I didn't really have an online presence or anything at that time, but this was also why I started using social media. It was because I had no money. I had a nonprofit and I just thought this was a great way to advertise for free. And so I started teaching classes in the park and they were going pretty well, just getting people from my local community in Southern California to come and join. And then I just had the idea of, well, what if I asked a lot of teachers to teach classes in their local areas because these little amounts are actually adding up to be a lot. So I just started reaching out to people that I was following on Instagram. Some were bigger accounts, yoga accounts. Some were, you know, small to average size, but just all sorts of people that I looked up to in the yoga community online and asked them if they would donate an hour of their time to teach in, in their communities. And I ended up getting about 60 teachers from around the world to teach classes supporting this first project. And long story short, we ended up raising all of the money over the course of a few months just from yoga classes in the park. And 
That is Yeah, amazing. it was really amazing. And th so this was kind of like I said, when I started really using Instagram and social media, but it was really more a way to just raise money for the nonprofit. So I went to Ethiopia, we implemented the first project, and it was great. But then when I came back, it was starting over at zero, and I still had more projects to fund and do. And so I wanted and, you know, even though it was amazing to have this big group of teachers that was helping, it was a lot to micromanage and a lot to follow up on with that many people and time zones and all of this stuff. So I wanted to do something that I was able to still raise more money, but maybe not having quite so many people to manage. And so I was like, well, maybe I could do a yoga retreat because we could raise just as much money over the course of a weekend as we could over the course of a few months. And I love traveling. I'm very well versed at traveling. I can definitely organize something for people. I have, you know, all this expertise in, in that area too. So it was kind of bringing together those things that I loved as well. And that was when I did my very first retreat. And that was exactly five years ago. It was actually October 2015. So yeah. And then after I did the first one, I was exhausted, but I also loved Oh, I can only yeah, imagine. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds great from the outside, but then when you do it for the first time, it's like, wow, it is a lot to put together, especially if you're organizing and facilitating and teaching and doing everything. But it was at the same time, I knew like, this is what I want to do. And this is, I love it. Like I was automatically hooked. And so I just kept planning retreats. And since then, the retreats have continued to dr double or triple in quantity every year. And they've just continued to grow, with the exception of this year, of course. <laughs> right. yeah. Did you go virtual this year? No, I didn't. I, I don't, I just, it didn't really feel like the right fit for me. I know a lot of people, you know, that it's worked and they've enjoyed it, but I, I just, couldn't bring myself to make the retreats virtual it it just felt wrong for me well I was gonna say it's so hard because it's such a personal mm -hmm. connection with your body and touch and you know human interaction yes. that yeah I could imagine that would be a huge barrier I don't see how people are actually swinging that but it's power to them um so I want to know more about what I know you said that Ethiopia was your mm -hmm. first project what drew you to Ethiopia that you were like, there is a need for this and I want to be <clears throat> that person that delivers this and helps them? Was there a connection? Did you meet someone? Yeah, so at that point, I had been to Africa as a whole quite a few times. I had actually lived in Kenya previously. And in some of my other time that I had already spent in, I hadn't been to Ethiopia yet, but I had been to Ghana and Kenya and Uganda. And I had met some people and just it was kind of through a different network of people that I had there that it connected me to someone in Ethiopia and um yeah I had actually been connected with him I think for about two years before we ever actually put the project into motion but there was definitely I mean there's a pretty big gap in energy accessibility especially in the area that I was working in um and as far as, you know, for people who don't know, but most African countries are a great candidate for solar because there is so much sunshine. So that's a huge part of it. That's why there's a lot yeah. of solar projects in Africa on top of the energy poverty that is pretty present in most, especially off the grid or more rural areas and even places that are on the grid 
the energy isn't quite as reliable or as consistent as we might be used to here in the West. Um, so it makes a great candidate just like on a logistical standpoint. And also, um, yeah, just having the network there and having already some local partners there. So I always partner with local solar companies so that we're using their products and so that we can have local people on the ground for continual maintenance and support. So we're not bringing in stuff from the outside. And then if it breaks, it's just added waste or trash, you know, like that's kind of the opposite of doing anything sustainable for the environment. Right. So I just already had some connections there that I had built over the years of living in Kenya and working at, uh, at a solar project there in Kenya. And so it was just sort of through that little network there that I decided to move on to Ethiopia. And it was great. It was a really successful project. Oh, that is so amazing. I love how the universe kind of puts pieces together for us. But you're like, okay, well, this is not where I Yeah, exactly. You just have to be open to it. Yes. So what are your current projects you're working on now? Well, so like I said, right now, things have been put on pause a little bit because the retreats fund the projects. So I would say 95% of the funding for the projects comes from the retreats. The other 5% might just be from kind of like random one-off donations, which is pretty few and far between. And this year we had to cancel all of the retreats. There was one that I was able to do um, at the very beginning of the year, but other than that, everything has been canceled. So things are put on pause a little bit right now. And we're kind of just tentatively waiting to see what's going to happen next year. But as of yeah. this point, I have been, I think this year we had, um, or prior to everything happening with the retreats, but we ha we worked in six different countries. So again, just through the renewable energy sector and more specifically in solar, it actually ends up being a pretty small community. So even if you're working in a country that is on the other side of the world of another, they all kind of know each other. So it is really great because when I, for instance, when I was in Ethiopia, I told them like, oh, I'm looking into this country now and they already can connect me with someone there who has a local solar company. And so we're all kind of this web working together, which is really great. Oh, how cool is that? I've heard it's a very like tiny, you know, close yes. community, especially out of country. Like everyone exactly. has to know everyone. Yeah. That is so neat. I love that. Um, I And, you know, it's so funny because I feel like a lot of us are so naive to that need that other countries don't have what we are so blessed with every single day. Yeah, exactly. And so they don't, until you see it firsthand, you don't really understand like, oh my gosh, this is definitely needed Yeah, here. and especially, um, I mean, one of the great things that I love about all of the solar projects that we've done, but particularly with light, because we don't just do light, but that is kind of where we started, is how it, it does uh -huh. affect so many areas of people's lives. So it can affect education, it can affect health, it can affect safety, it can affect work and productivity and income and all of these things. So it really is touching all of these different areas. And we run on a microloan model. So all of the money that we put into it continues to be recycled back and back and back and back over and over. So even small amounts of money are continually used. And that is what allows the projects to continually expand across, across the countries and across the world. But, um, yeah, one of the really cool things is that we emphasize saving and the whole financial 
element of it. A lot of the times people kind of think, well, there's no way I can afford that. But then when you break it down to them, because it is a multifaceted sort of approach that we're also working to eradicate the use of kerosene lamps because of the toxicity in kerosene, not only for you and your lungs, but also for the planet. And kerosene is not only not the safest or most cleanly sort of fuel to use, but it's also really expensive. And most of the time people just don't even realize how much they already are spending on light because it's just become so ingrained in their day to day and their budget. And so when you're able to really break it down for people, like we're giving you this solar light and this is how much you're spending on kerosene. So if you use that amount that you're spending on kerosene to pay off this light, then Once it's paid off over the course of four, six months, however long it takes, now your light source is free. So now all of that money that you were spending on kerosene before, you can save. And you can save to either buy another solar product, you can save to send another kid to school. You know, so it's also, we have this financial focus that is really helping people to become a little bit more free and flexible in their day-to-day living as well. Oh my goodness, yes. And I, I never even thought of like the danger aspect of it as well with that. That is yeah, crazy. So I'm kind of doing a series right now on what drives you. Like what is your inspiration to just keep moving through this time? Like what is really setting your soul on fire to kind of, you know, whether that's a daily practice that you're doing But just to maintain, because, you know, like you said, everything Mm -hmm. is kind of on hold right now. And so many people have had to pivot or change their plans. And it's been a lot. And a lot of people have, you know, really struggled with that. And so what is something that you do just to keep that fire burning so strong? And because that's something clearly you're so passionate about and it's beautiful. So how do you keep that Yeah, I mean, I think that... There's there's all sorts of things. So, of course, my yoga practice is definitely a way for me to kind of return to that home state, like I was talking about before, that I would tap into no matter where I was in the world. That's something that I can always return to, which is also a huge privilege, just being able to have that physical capability and movement and accessibility. But I think on the flip side of that, the other thing is also just rest because um, – It is, I don't know, like having this idea of like, okay, well, you have to do something, you have to keep creating, you have to keep, you know, and there is also on top of that so much stress right now, so much tension right now, so much kind of like fighting and all, you know, all these different sides and politics and rights Mm -hmm. and there's so much going on in the world. And so if anything, I would say this time has really forced me to rest and in that rest, just kind of lean into trust a little bit more and trust that even if I'm having a really difficult day and dark day or anxious day or depressed day or whatever that may be, just kind of leaning into it and trusting the process and trusting that even though I don't necessarily understand why things are working out the way they are or understand the uncertainty of it, that it will become clear at at some point might not be in the near future, but that's okay. And just, you know, keep riding the wave. Oh, absolutely. I feel uh, a lot of times I've had to really stop myself because I'm so, I want to be busy and feel like I'm creating something and doing something at all times. And it's been crazy to like kind of pump the brakes and really allow myself grace to like, not feel like I'm like, 
being leisurely or lazy by just being still and allowing myself that rest because it's like this is such a time of recharging and the world is so chaotic right now. I mean, we're getting, especially if you're, you know, even turning on the TV, it's like you're getting so much stuff thrown at you constantly. That yeah, it's like, well, I mean, not lot. just the TV, but social media, we're just we're on our screens more because we have oh, a little yeah. more downtime. So yeah, in that rest, it, I kind of think it, it's also just heightened my awareness in general of noticing when I am feeling more, it, whether it's anxious or just stretched thin or just overstimulated. And then instead of feeling a pressure to continually perform and create and put stuff out there to take a step back and also recognize when I do want to do that. So for instance, like we were talking about before, moving stuff online, at first I felt this pressure to do that um, Mm -hmm. with the retreats and felt like, well, this is what everyone's Mm -hmm. doing. I have to do this. Otherwise, what if I'm not relevant anymore? And what if no one signs up for a retreat again? What if we go under, you know, like all of this stuff. And it was just like, but I don't want to go online just because everyone else is, if that doesn't feel right to me. And just trusting that if if this retreat business is supposed to stay alive after all of this is done and over with, or at least, you know, working towards a new sort of normal, as we call it, then that will happen. And if it doesn't survive it, then there must be something else in the works for me. And just kind of recognizing when I'm creating from that place of like fear or scarcity or, okay, I have to do this, this pressure versus because I just really want to offer something out there. Yes, I'm so glad you said that because it it really is such a fear-based thinking of I'm not going to be relevant. I have to keep pushing. I have to keep doing this. I have to get my stuff out there. And it's like, you know, I feel like if we all were to just take that step back, like you're talking about, like really like just kind of nurture our mental health, it's so important and it really creates you to level up in a completely different way when you're able to take a step away from the social media and away from the electronics and Mm -hmm. just connect, you know, this is such a great, beautiful opportunity to be able to do that. So what is one thing that you can share that has been just really powerful in connecting the mind, body, and soul for you, a practice that you do, a yoga position, anything that resonates with you that really connects the three Mm, together? I mean, I think yoga as a practice, that's really the purpose of it. You know, yoga translates to yoke or union to bring together. And really it's meant to kind of bring together those three pieces. And I, of course, there are 5 million different kinds of yoga in this day and age, which is great because then that can, that can reach more people. So I'm not saying, you know, I think it's a little hard to say like, do this one shape and then you'll feel total union because for me, that might feel right in my body and the way it works in my body might also trigger something emotionally that then will trigger something spiritually that might not resonate at all with someone else's. So I think Yoga is a great way to do that. Even just walking. I love like a good walking meditation. Um, Same with like a shaking meditation. Mm. Anything where I'm like physically moving my body, either listening to music or just listening to my breath and kind of tuning into those three things, that kind of helps me get to that state of just being a little bit more outside of myself and like something is kind of moving through me instead. I love that. And I, so you said trigger something. And it's so funny that you said that because I just had that Mm -hmm. happen to me for the first time recently. And I was doing a flow and I was all into it, just normal, like nothing crazy, strange, anything. 
well, my heart chakra clearly has like some sort of weird block happening. And so I moved, I did a certain position and I just started like in hysterics crying. And I was yeah. like, what is like, what just happened to me? But it was the most amazing experience. I, I'm laughing now, but like, yeah. it was really the most amazing experience that I have ever had doing yoga. And it was like, wow, if I could, like that connection was something that I have never really you know, gotten to on that level, but like, I yeah. could see where I was blocked. I could feel it. I could, you know, and I know I'm probably yeah. sounding really woo-woo right now, but if you've been there, you like understand that you're like, whoa, like the amount of healing that comes from that. And like really, instead of like changing really quick, but just feeling into it, I mean like, okay, this is happening. I'm going to acknowledge it and I'm going to go through it. And when you're done, you're like, whoa, like that was unreal. Like there are really yeah. no words yeah. to describe that Yeah. And I think, I mean, at least in my experience that so the way that you're explaining it is part of the reason that it felt that way too, is because you weren't really expecting that to happen. You were just doing a regular flow. And I think when you're kind of going into it without the expectation, that's when it kind of gets you as opposed to like getting on your mat. And it's great to be intentional, but there's the fine line between intention and expectation and you get on your mat and you're like, okay, I want to, you know, union, I want to like get all of this stuff in line. And then sometimes it's like when you're gripping too tightly to that, then that's what turns into the expectation and you're not really able to fully tap into that versus going into it open but still intentional it makes it a little bit more accessible I think to kind of find that point yes I know I I mean my theme for this year has been really like not being attached to like any outcome or any situation Mm -hmm. or anything and just kind of letting the universe do its job because I feel like so often we just are so in the way, like we got to micromanage and control the situation and we're attached to this outcome. And if it doesn't go this way, then this is going to happen. And when we just let go and throw our hands up, I feel like this year has been a a really great reminder for everyone in that case that even if you have the plans and you have all this stuff in order, your plans don't mean anything, (laughs) you know, the universe or God or whatever it is you believe in is going to lead the way so you kind of have to be in the in the passenger seat a little bit absolutely okay well I know you have another appointment and I am so happy that we got to chat for a little bit today I am just really listening to my intuition lately when I am drawn to people and I was so drawn to you you are just such a magnet and such a light so thank you again for being on the show today so where can we all connect with you, find you, if the audience has questions? Yeah, so I'm most active on Instagram. You? My handle is Kaylala Nielsen. And in there, you'll see in my bio the links to my podcast, my retreats, my nonprofits, all of that kind of stuff. It's in my bio and in my website and all of that kind of stuff. So it's pretty so – that's sort of like the hub point for everything. Yes, exactly. That's our one-stop shop. <laughs> beautiful okay well we will definitely so be in much. touch soon to Kayla thank you again you too bye I have goosebumps she is absolutely amazing I cannot believe all that she has done in her lifetime so far and it is so inspiring to just hear her journey 
and what makes her go and what fuels her and how she's pivoted and really the beauty of the stillness right now and just being. And so I encourage you guys this week to just really tune in to that stillness, to the emotions. How are you feeling? Check in with that. It's okay wherever you're at and not having the expectations. I love that she talked about that because it's so powerful to go in and be intentional, but at the same point, not be attached to the outcome. Have a beautiful week, goddesses.